it appears that summer is over. I'm wearing my fall colors now. Um, rain's coming down. The leaves are starting to change. Vacations are over. But even though summer vacations are over, it is never too early to start planning for your next vacation. I'm always one that likes to be thinking ahead and planning. And um, our family, while we haven't made any decisions yet, we're already starting to think of next summer and things we can do together because we've got to plan that if you want to try to get everybody together. And one of the things we were thinking of doing next summer is maybe going to Toronto, Canada. We've never really been up there. And I found out, you know, I don't know my geography that well. It's, it's only eight hours away. You can drive there. And actually, you can do day trips. We were looking, well, what can we do if we go up to Toronto? You can do a day trip from Toronto to Niagara Falls. I've never been to Niagara Falls. One of the things on my bucket list is to go to Niagara Falls and walk across it on a tightrope. <laughs> it's not on my bucket list. There's no way I plan on doing that. But people have actually walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Just a few years ago, Nick Walenda did that. Um, he walked across. But he wasn't the first one to do that. The first person to do that was named Charles Blondin. When he came to America back in the 1800s, he was obsessed with uh, Niagara Falls and walking across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, which he finally did in 1859. In fact, he did it eight times between 19, or 1859 and 1860. He walked across uh, Niagara Falls. Um, one time he bounced a chair on it and sat on it. One time he took a, a little stove out there and cooked some things, and he lowered it down to the people on the boat. They were amazed at this. There was one time he carried his manager on his back, across the falls, and one time he took a wheelbarrow across. And one of those times when he took the wheelbarrow across, he came to the crowds on the other side, he's like, do you think I could do this again? Walk across this tightrope with a wheelbarrow. And they were cheering, yes. Do you think I could do it with a man inside the wheelbarrow? And they were, yeah, yeah we think you can do it. And he said, who wants to get in? <laughs> and the crowd was silent. You know, there's a great difference between believing something in your head and believing something with your actions. And I would argue that real belief is found when our action backs it up. I want you to turn with me this morning to James chapter 2. We're going to see that James has a lot to say about belief and faith that doesn't produce action in our lives. In fact, we're going to see that a real faith really works. And uh, in James chapter 2, and uh, we're continuing on our series through James as our, all our connection groups are studying this. Uh, but we're going to start today in James chapter 2, verse 14. And we're going to kind of go through this section and, and, and uh, see what uh, James has to, to teach us. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not your fa our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, 
Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, I do thank you. Lord, this is a challenging text for us today. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand it and teach us. And Lord, help us to have a real faith, a faith that trusts you, Lord, not only in our heads, but in our actions as well. And that you you would guide and direct us and strengthen us to follow you in all things. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'll tell you, this section of scripture has been one of the more controversial sections of scripture throughout history because it seems to pit Paul and the things that Paul teaches against James and uh, what James seems to be saying here. Because Paul says, tells us in Romans chapter 3, he says, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And James, as we just read, says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Those two things, man, they seem almost opposite. In fact, it seems as they're almost are preaching a different gospel from one another. Now, while they seem contradictory on their face, when we understand the context and the audience they're writing to and the reason, they're not contradictory at all. You see, Paul was largely preaching against legalism. He was saying, there's no work that can be done that's going to justify a man in the eyes of God. Our justification and salvation are purely a gift from God by grace through real faith, apart from any work that we do. James, on the other hand, isn't preaching so much against legalism as he is against licentiousness. James, uh, he's saying that a real faith is going to be evident in the things that a person does in real life. In verse 18, he said, show me your faith without deeds. He says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. You can't really show a faith without doing something. Because there are people that were saying, Um, at this time, well, listen, we're saved by grace. We can do whatever we want. It is a gift of God. We don't need to, uh, we can can go out and sin, and if we sin more, God's going to extend more grace for his glory. I'll tell you, both Paul and James would say, absolutely not. Um, James obviously says that. Paul says that later on in uh, chapter 3, or Romans chapter 3, he says, Why not say as we are being slanderously reported as saying, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. He's saying, we are not saying that at all. Paul's saying that anyone who's saying that's a liar. But he's saying that a real and true faith in the Lord is going to change the things you do. It is by by grace we've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. As I was preparing for this message, I was trying to think of uh, some uh, examples and uh, some analogies to help us uh, think through this. And I, as I was reading uh, one pastor, I thought he had a great analogy. You know, when I was a little kid, you know, waking up on uh, Saturday morning, and they'd have cartoons on or uh, westerns on often. And, you know, the, the, the pastor uh, analogized Paul and James kind of like two lawmen in these old westerns. Uh, that we see, that we had seen on TV, they're standing back to back and firing in opposite directions at different bad guys, but they were unified in purpose and thought. That's what James, James and Paul are unified in purpose and thought. Paul is fighting against those who are saying, "Listen, they were uh, uh, they were saved on 
uh, on the basis of, of good works. He's saying, no, it's by grace and grace alone. And James is fighting those claiming to have faith and be saved, but they bore no fruit in their faith. Listen, fruit is the evidence of a real faith. Jesus tells us this. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. It is by the fruit in a person's life that people will be able to recognize this as a believer in Christ. If you're hanging out with somebody for a long time, you should be able to see this fruit. Now, if you don't know the person, you may not be able to see that. But people should see your fruit if they get to know you and they're around you. They should see fruit being born in your life. This is exactly what James is saying. He's saying that a real faith is going to be shown in real actions, in real life. Now, James, in this passage of Scripture, he talks about three kinds of so-called faith, two of which we find out are not a real faith at all. Um, They're the type of faith that was being attributed to Paul, saying you can do whatever you want, but that's not what at all what he or James would describe as real faith. And these faith and these false faiths are certainly not the kind that save us. So James talks about this first type of false faith, and that is a faith that is dead. He says, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith and has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? And he goes on at the end, he says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. A dead faith is, is, a, is a, a so-called faith that is all talk and no action. There's nothing, no fruit that's being born. It's only a faith that's only intellectual. It's inside of our head. It's not a real faith that the Bible talks about. James gives an example here of someone who says they believe, but there's no evidence of that belief in what they do. Someone comes to them, a bro- it says a brother and sister comes to you in need, Ah, oh, it's too bad that, you know, you don't have any food and clothes. I, I hope things get better for you. And they move along in their life. <sighs> Hopefully God will take care of them. James, he's not talking about somebody you just meet on the, the street corner of Chicago when you're heading to work in the morning. He's talking about a brother or sister, someone that they know. He calls this person a brother or sister. When the Lord puts us in relationship with people, he gives us obligations to be able to care for one another as the Spirit leads and as the Spirit convicts us. Now, we need to be careful here. This doesn't mean that we enable someone's bad behavior. It doesn't mean that you just give somebody money, hey, you know what, I, was, uh, I, had, a, I had a tough weekend at the boats or I was at, uh, uh, doing drugs all weekend or I was out at the bars and I spent all my money, can you help me out? No, it doesn't mean we enable someone's bad behavior. But we are called to care for people that the Lord has placed us in relationship with. If we aren't acting in love in our actions, then we need to be asking some serious questions of ourselves. Where, where is the fruit of my, my faith? Faith that is only in our heads and not in our hands, James says, is a faith that is dead. It is not a faith that saves. Now, I want to caution people here because there are some who have read this and then go out to do a lot of good things, but their faith may not be in Jesus, um, but it's in their own works. Well, I'm going to do these good things and God's going to owe me. 
That is not the gospel. We are saved solely uh, through a real faith in Jesus Christ that changes us. It transforms us. We don't stay the same anymore, and it leaks out of us. That's what a real faith does. Going out and just doing these things, uh, in, even in Jesus' name, but without a real faith, is useless. Jesus himself talks about people who had these works, and they were trusting in their works uh, to, to, to get them salvation. They had a knowledge of him. They knew who he was. But listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 7. A few verses later, when he, after he talks about uh, that you're going to recognize them by their fruits, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In the, in the Gospel of uh, John, uh, they ask the disciples and others ask uh, uh, Jesus this exact question. What must we do to do the work of God? And what is the will of of the Father. He says, the will of the Father is this, to believe with a real belief in who he sent. To believe in who he sent. Because when we believe in him, truly believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, change happens. Transformation goes on. So he says, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, listen to what they say. We, didn't we not prophesy in your name and your name drive out demons or perform any miracles? Didn't I do all these good things for you, Lord? Didn't I, didn't I uh, help people when they were in need? And he says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. They were never in relationship with him. They knew about him, but they did not know him. There's a huge difference. And it's the difference between heaven and hell, between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. They did not know him. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. They had no real faith. They had no relationship with Christ that led them to action. They sought to justify themselves by their actions. Lord, you owe me. I did these things for you. But they never knew him. We can never save ourselves by our actions. Salvation is entirely by the grace of God. And it is after real belief and because of real belief that actions spring out of us. Paul confirms the same thing in probably one of the most famous uh, verses in, in Ephesians when he talks about um, grace. He says, it's by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, so that not by works, so that no one can boast. And then he goes on to say, what comes after that? He says, for we are God's handiwork. He saves us and leaves us here, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. He's left us here and empowered us and gifted us to do the things he calls us to do. He's given us his spirit so that we can bear fruit for him. That's what a real faith does. It bears that fruit. Our actions, our works are the result of a real belief in Christ. A real faith is going to really work that out in our lives. We're going to really act upon that. So we see that this first faith that James talks about is not a real faith. It is dead, if it is only in our heads and not in our hands. James goes on to talk about another kind of faith, and that's the faith of the demons. In verse 18, he says, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you by my, my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The faith that the demons had was based in knowledge. They knew who Jesus was. 
They had a belief, and they had more than just a belief. There was some emotional component. It says they believed and they shuddered. It affected them in their emotions. A faith of the demons can affect us both of those things, intellectually and emotionally. We get affected by both of that. A person may say they have faith and even have a belief in all the right doctrines in which, that are essential to Christianity, and it may even affect them in their emotions. But just having an emotional response doesn't make a faith real either. The faith of the demons, that wasn't a saving faith. Uh, they knew the facts about Jesus, what he came to do, and they experienced some uh, uh, emotional effect. But listen, listen to some of the uh, passages where Jesus uh, meets and confronts someone who's demon-possessed. In Mark 1, verse 24, he's teaching in the synagogue. A demon-possessed man cries out to Jesus, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. This demon knew who Jesus was, but he wasn't. Uh, this demon is not saved at all. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is getting out of a boat, and a man sees Jesus and says, when, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Wow. If we saw this today, Jesus walked in, and a man fell on his knees in front of him, we'd think, this must be someone who really knows Jesus. But it goes on and says, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. This was a demon-possessed man. And this demon knew exactly who Jesus was. And this knowledge of Jesus and seeing Jesus had an effect on him. But he is not saved. Some here may have a right knowledge and may even be emotionally affected by that knowledge. That's not a bad thing. But those two things alone are not evidence of a saving faith. So what's a saving faith then? If it's, if it's not just uh, knowing who Jesus is or, or, knowing, uh, um, or, or being affected emotionally, what is it? Well, James tells us that a faith that saves is a faith that is dynamic. Dy dynamic means something that's characterized by motion or action. Um, that is a real faith. It affects the whole person. It affects us in our intellect. There are things we need to know about Jesus. You can't just believe that Jesus was a good man who walked the earth. We need to know who Jesus was, that he is God in the flesh. And we need to know what Jesus really did, that he died on the cross for us, for your sins and for my sins, and that he resurrected from the dead. So there's things we need to know intellectually about who Jesus is if we're truly going to know the real Jesus, not a Jesus that we just make up. So it affects us in our intellect in that there's things we know about Jesus. It also will affect us in our emotions when we realize that we have a God who has loved us so much and that we are sinners, that we have sinned against this holy God and he sent his son to sacrifice uh, as a sacrifice for us. It will affect us in our emotions, but it will also affect us in our will. A saving faith will cause us to act, to put our beliefs in motions. That is a faith that is dynamic. It's intellectual, it's emotional, and it's willful. Look at what James says in uh, beginning of verse 20. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? He says, was not our father Abraham called, considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is, is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Again, James is talking about a real faith evidenced in real actions that people take. And it's only through our actions that we and others are going to know the reality of our faith so that we can see and know that we are truly in the faith. Paul tells us the same thing. He says, listen, examine yourselves to see and know if you're in the faith. He says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. How are we supposed to examine ourselves? By looking at the outworkings of our life. The things we do. Do we act in faith? Are we willing to make sacrifices for others as the Lord has sacrificed for us? Are we willing to help others in need? Uh, if it requires money, if it requires time, if we need to stop and minister to someone? Are we willing to serve and use our gifts to help others know about Christ? You know, are we just going to show up here on the weekend? Or are we going to use our gifts and band together so that we can be the church that God calls us to be? Are, are we convicted when we do sin? Listen, if we just come to church and show up and, you know what, we can uh, put on a good face on Sunday, but on Monday we can go and live like the devil with no conviction in our life. We have a problem. We have a problem. I'm not saying that true Christians don't sin. Real Christians sin. But if sin is all the fruit of your Christian life and you're asking yourself and examining yourself uh, to see if you're really in the faith, you're finding no evidence of that. Sin. Real Christians will bear fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Real Christians, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, will bear fruit. We will see the fruits of the Spirit. We will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. All of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control, godliness, all these things bearing out in our life. We will see other people seeing our lives being transformed and changed, we will bear fruit. If we're able to go out and we face no conviction in our life when we are sinning, there's a problem. We're facing some real problems. When we examine ourselves, we're going to have some hard answers to deal with. And James gives us two examples of what real faith looks like here. And they're on opposite extremes of, of uh, the, the chart here. First, he gives us Abraham. He says, by faith, um, and, and the author of Hebrews tells us about Abraham, by faith, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. His faith produced action. By faith, Abraham offered. He did something with that faith. He followed the Lord. Abraham, you, know, you remember, Abraham didn't rationalize his way out of what God told him to do. He didn't think for a second. He's like, listen, God, you know, I don't know if you remember this. You told me, that you're going to make my descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore through Isaac. And now you're telling me to go and sacrifice Isaac. This doesn't make sense to me. You must be mistaken. No, he was certain of what God was telling him to do. And he reasoned, uh, the author of Hebrews uh, tells us, he reasoned that 
God could even bring him back from the dead. And he, so to speak, did as he provided that sacrifice uh, up on that mountain. But uh, Abraham obeyed the Lord. He acted in faith, and we today see his great faith. And that's the faith we want, the faith of Abraham. We are Abraham's children. We don't have to be an Israelite or a Jew to be a child of Abraham. Through faith, it is through the promise of Isaac. We become children of Abraham as we have the faith of Abraham. So he gives the example of Abraham, who was a godly Jewish man. And then he gives us the example of Rahab. Rahab is not a godly Jewish man. She is a sinful Gentile woman. But I'll tell you, it's not our upbringing or our heritage that saves us. No matter what your history, no matter who your parents were, no matter what you've done, you can have a real and dynamic faith, just like Abraham, just like Rahab. The author of Hebrews tells us about Rahab as well. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Her faith, she acted in a way that put her in jeopardy from a human standpoint. She hid the spies and sent them off in a different direction and told the others that they went a different way. That could have gotten her killed. It put her in jeopardy from a human standpoint. But I'll tell you this, it was the safest thing she could ever do from a godly standpoint. It secured for her as she acted on this faith, um, her life and eternity. They said, because you've helped us, you know what? You stay in your home and you and none of your family will be killed. And she acted in faith to stay there, even in the midst of whatever earthquake or uh, the walls coming down and her house being in that wall, she did not run and leave. She acted in faith, trusting the God who is powerful. What kind of faith do you have? I want you to think about that. Examine yourself. Is your faith only a head knowledge of who Jesus is and what he did? Maybe you have this knowledge and it even affects you in your emotions. Uh, that's the kind of faith that the demons had. Or is your faith dynamic? And when you or others examine your life, they're able to see real Christian fruit in your life. Have you gotten in the wheelbarrow with Jesus? Are you willing to trust him even when it seems risky from a human standpoint? Trusting in him completely that he is able to do the things he says. I want to tell you, standing on the side of the mountain or getting in a wheelbarrow with Jesus, the safer place is in the wheelbarrow with Jesus. That's the safest place you could ever want to be. Trust him. Act upon that. Trust him with real faith. Often, as we trust in Christ and he continues to draw us to him and grow, he gives us these little choices along the, the path of life. He gives us these choices to make. And they're choices that we can act in faith or, you know what, not act in faith. Maybe the Lord has brought you here today. Maybe you've shown up with some family. Maybe you just came today for the first time. I don't know. But maybe you're here today and you're recognizing that, you know what, as you examine yourself, I don't know if my faith is dynamic. Maybe it's just a head knowledge that I have. Well, then act in faith and do what the Bible, what God tells us through his word to do. He says, 
confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, when you truly believe that he loved us so much that he was willing to send his son to pay for our sins by dying upon the cross, we believe that and we put our hope and trust in him in faith confessing that, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but I know who Jesus is. I believe in him and we trust him. He saves us completely as an act of faith and that changes us and it makes us begin to act upon that and take other steps of faith. And after that, he puts us in other decisions in our path. Maybe he's put, you know what? We're having baptisms here, immersion baptisms in a month. Maybe you're sitting here today, he's like, well, I, you know, I was baptized when I was a baby and my parents had me baptized. Listen, I'm gonna tell you, that's not baptism as the Bible speaks of it. Baptism as the Bible speaks of it, the only examples of baptism we see in the Bible are of believers, of people who have received Jesus Christ. That's the only examples that we see. Read through the book of Acts. You see it. People came to trust Christ, and then they were baptized. And immersion baptism is, is a picture of what happens to us. It's, you know, the word bapti- baptism that we get is from the Greek word baptizo, which actually means to immerse, to put under. And it's, it's a picture of what's happened to us. We've been overwhelmed by the Spirit. We've been baptized by the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus Christ and we walk in obedience, following him, saying, I am going to follow the Lord in all that he calls me to do. And this is one of those things he calls us to do. He tells us, the, the last things he says before he ascends into heaven, he tells the disciples, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all things. Maybe that's a step of faith. And maybe you're sitting here and it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in front of people. I don't want to get all wet. Follow Jesus. Be willing to do the things he calls you. Get in the wheelbarrow. Trust him. Maybe he's put someone in your life that needs some help. Maybe it's financially. Again, we need discernment. Are we enabling somebody uh, to, to continue to pursue bad decisions? Or are we helping them? Or sometimes withholding that and giving them solid advice, turning from uh, actions they're making. That's helping them too. Sharing the gospel. Maybe he's put somebody in your life that needs the good news. Maybe it's somebody at work and you're a little afraid. It's like, I don't want to sound like a Bible thumper. But share what's going on in your life with them. You know, hey, I was, I was pursuing all those things too, but you know what? I want to tell you, the Lord changed my life when I put my trust in him. Share with them the good news. We need, as, as believers in Christ, for those who are believers, we need to respond to his leading. And if you're not a believer in Christ and you're here today, I would argue that it is the Holy Spirit that is drawing you to this point. Without the work of the Holy Spirit to draw us to him, there's no opportunity for us to believe. We have no hope. But he draws people to him so that they can hear the good news and they can respond in faith to the grace of God. If you're here today and you've never really trusted in Christ, maybe your faith is dead or maybe you have a faith of the demons, have a faith that is dynamic by acting upon what the Spirit has led you to today, putting your trust in him. And for those who are believers here who have not been responding in faith to some choices that the Lord has paced in front of them, I want to encourage you, act in faith, trust in him. Get in the wheelbarrow with Jesus And see where God takes you because he will bring you to places and grow you in ways that you would never expect. Our God is a powerful and a good God 
and he wants to work powerfully through you, trust him. Have a faith that is dynamic, that acts upon that. Respond to the leading that the Lord has placed in your heart. Don't deny the things he's calling you to do. If we're denying those things, that should be a cut gut check to us. And it should cause us to examine ourselves. Listen, a real faith will really work and bear fruit for the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. I'm going to pray and lead in a prayer confession. And I'm also going to pray for us that God would strengthen us, the believers here today, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, to take those steps of following in him so that our faith would be real and dynamic and fruit would be born that others might be able to see as well. Let's go ahead and pray. We have a good father who is calling us into a deeper love and relationship with him. And it's through that dynamic faith as we act upon that faith that he has given us and take those steps that he draws us into deeper relationship and he brings us to places and grows us in ways that we could never experience without following the things he calls us to do. Have a faith that is dynamic, that acts, that responds to the Spirit's leading so that you can experience the fullness of life that he calls us to. Have a great day. Go in peace.